Amen. Dr. King's legacy lives on. And today as a multi-ethnic congregation and one of Sacramento's most diverse churches in one of our nation's most... And one of our nation's most diverse zip codes, we recognize the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings us together and unifies our hearts, not only on Sundays, but how many know Monday through Saturday, amen? <clears throat> Today we celebrate one of God's vessels, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His God-given dream, the biblical principles he promoted, and the goals he foresaw over 55 years ago. With this, we recognize that despite the difficult times of our communities and country have faced, especially these last few years, there are people in moments that lift us up and inspire us to be better. How we know we can be better? To be Christ reconcilers in a world that is being divided. That is the call. That is the call that's on this house, to be a healing house, a reconciling house in this community. And so this Natomas MLK celebration service going forward will be a gift to our community from Real Life Church for years to come. And I wanted to take some time to honor individual, individuals who have demonstrated their commitment to the principles and goals of Dr. King through their community engagement, volunteerism, scholarship, research, teaching, and program development in Natomas and the greater Sacramento region. One of the things that we have built this church on the last five years since we've been lead pastors is honor. And I believe God calls us to honor one another. And today I wanted to honor those who have invested in this community and our city. Three years ago, this couple took on the monumental task of turning around the football program at Natomas High School. While raising their own young family, they created another place for young men to belong and become all they could be on and off the field. As a result, together they won two league titles the last few years, three years in a row produced the GSL Player of the Year, earned Coach of the Year's honors, and had multiple players selected to the all-league and all-metro Sacramento teams and are giving many players an opportunity to receive scholarships to play college football and further their education. I was so encouraged this year to see several college football coaches visiting that campus, which did not happen the last several years. But seeing that program rebound has been phenomenal, and we've been a part of that as we serve team meals on Thursdays. But MLK said this. He said, human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. 
Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle. The tireless exertions and passionate concern of dedicated individuals. And this year's Martin Luther King Jr. Community Impact Award goes to Spencer and Brianna Hagen. Are they with us? Are they here this morning? Come on down, y'all. We just want to thank you for all you've done. And Brianna, Brianna, we know that your hard work behind the scenes, I just wanted you to know this morning did not go unnoticed. And so I would just like to give you just a few seconds to just say something to the church. Glory to God in all of this, man. You know, I didn't understand the mission God had for me and my wife when we moved back here from the uh, from the Bay Area. But um, first of all, this is my beautiful wife, Brianna. We give her. Yeah. I have a six-year-old son, Spencer, who's in the, in the kids' air care, but this is my three-year-old son, Emerson. Emerson. Want to say hi? Hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, God is so good. My message to everybody here would be, whatever God is calling you to do, you got to do it. Whatever he wants you to say, you got to say it. Wherever he wants you to go, you go. Time is, time is of the essence. And... We are called to just simply be obedient to what God's calling us to do. And I love Natomas. I love that school. Didn't know why God called me there um, in the first place. But I realize now his purpose is far greater than mine. So I just want to keep that going. Follow God and all glory to God. So thanks. I just quickly want to say something. I just want to say how grateful I am for this house. First and foremost, for God who's been so faithful and season and out of season and my loving husband who has just been everything. Like, I love this man. Like, he loves God. He covers his family. Um, and for Pastor Dean and Pastor Amy and for all the members of this church who prayed for us, who showed up for us um, to support a beautiful community. Natomas High School is an amazing high school. Um, and so we just give all glory to God for everything and we're just so very, very grateful for all of you guys. So we love you. Can we give them a hand? Thank you, guys. In April 2001, the Sacramento Bee ran a front-page story revealing a staggering census 2000 finding. A single neighborhood block with 567 kids living on it. More people under 18 per capita than any other urbanized block 
in the six county region right here in South Natomas. The article describes some of the challenges and opportunities of this low income block of three, four, and five bedroom apartments. In July 2002, the greenhouse was born. And 20 years later, they continue to cultivate a thriving community by nurturing the emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and physical development of our youth and inspiring them to grow to their full potential. Martin Luther King said, without love, there is no reason to know anyone. For love will in the end connect us to our neighbors, our children, and our hearts. This year, the recipient of the Good Neighbor Award goes to the Greenhouse Center. And Kiana Hill Ross is coming to receive that on behalf of the Greenhouse Center. skip over some things because you already said it. I'm Kiana. I'm the partnership director for The Greenhouse. And, well, I could read a little bit. Sorry. Um, The programs that Pastor Dean was talking about um, include after-school tutoring, mentoring, youth groups, and a space to foster both leadership and spiritual development. We have an educational garden, a full kitchen and library that the kids have access to and use throughout the week. As you can imagine, each program has a lot of moving parts and that's where partners like Real Life Church come in to help us provide more resources for kids and community. This past summer, we hosted summer camps for 50 elementary students where Real Life Church provided a whole summer's worth of snacks. The Greenhouse also hosted paint internships for high school students, which gave teens the chance to build and develop skills while earning money. These were led by some of our amazing partners that volunteered their time and expertise to lead internships like web design and culinary arts. In the fall, we hosted meaningful community-wide events like our 20th annual Pumpkin Patch, where in partnership with local churches and various organizations, we were able to give away backpacks filled with school supplies, as well as hundreds of pumpkins and cupcakes. We also coordinated a Christmas Partners program where we connected greenhouse families with members of partner churches. They exchange prayer requests and gift cards for families to buy gifts and necessities over the holidays. Overall, our mission is to nurture a community where we are loving God, our neighbors, and ourselves, while also creating a safe space for kids to grow up and lead change in their own neighborhood. None of this could be made possible without our community partnerships. So thank you all so much for being a part of this work and mission with us. Thank you. Come on, can we thank God for the greenhouse? Thank you, Kiana. I'm gonna ask Agnes Holmes to come. 
to the platform. A few months ago, Agnes came to me and said, I'm so proud of my daughter. She just received a National Career Achievement Award in government. I said, I'd love to see it. Send me the link. And I wanted you to see why Agnes was so proud and as a citizen of Sacramento, why we should be too. And now to present the awards for career achievement in government, please welcome back to the stage the commander of the South Pacific Division of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Colonel Pomona Antoinette Arganda. In her role as the Chief Finance Officer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, South Pacific Division, Sacramento District, Andrea Homer oversees fiscal stewardship for a $1 billion multi-discipline multi program. She promotes equity among all people as the first chair for the Diversity and Inclusion Council. She's the first woman of color to be the CFO and on the corporate board at the Sacramento District. Ms. Homer personifies the Army values with professionalism, commitment to mission, respect for all, and selfless service. She says, I may not be the first, but she won't be the last. Her exemplary leadership reflects superbly upon her, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, South Pacific Division, Sacramento District, and the U.S. Army. I am so proud to present Ms. Andrea Homer. Four thousand one hundred and seventy three missed shots. I want you to think about that number four thousand one hundred and seventy three. That's the number of missed shots from Stephen Curry, NBA champion. It's common to be applauded for the shots we make, but just think about the shots we miss. I thought I missed a shot when I took my first low wage job with an upbringing in a very rough LA neighborhood. But in fact, with the missed shots, I learned resilience, patience, discipline, servitude. Missing shots, that's how you learn to make shots. So keep practicing, keep running, keep going, because that's how we win. Knowledge on a local level. MLK said, use me God, show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. 
This year's Martin Luther King Jr. Sacramento Achievement Award is Agnes's daughter, Andrea Homer. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to thank God for Pastor Dean, and I thank you for my mom and pastor. Um, I'm just going to, if I can, just for maybe two minutes. I just give God the praise this morning. I, I move my hands a lot. So I have a testimony my God. I woke up Friday morning. I thank God for all he did on this stage. And I thank God for this honor. I don't take it lightly. I woke up Friday morning. I think this is for somebody. That's why I have to say it. I woke up Friday morning and I had pain in my stomach that I hadn't felt before. I tried to push my way through the day. And right around noon, I felt such a sharp pain. And I didn't know what to do. I called my mom. I said, Mom, I need you to come take me to the ER. The pain was so sharp, I couldn't put my socks on my feet. I couldn't get dressed to go to the ER. And I said, I'm going to have to call 911. That's somebody. And I called 911. They asked me for my name. I could barely talk. They asked me for my address. I was in so much pain. They said, what is your cross street? I said, I can't even think of the cross street that I'm on. They said, ma'am, just try to breathe and we'll send somebody out right away. I called my mom again. I said, mom, I just called 911. She said, wait a minute. All I can do is just begin to pray. My mom began to call on the name of Jesus. Before they can call on the physician, on the doctor, they called the great physician. And she began to call Jesus. The pain began to subside. And I said, finally, I can put socks on my feet. And as I began to put socks on my feet, I called my mom back. I said, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. And then at that time, she just said, Jesus, Jesus. She couldn't ask for anything particular, but she said, Jesus. And then she, I said, Mom, I feel better. I can call them and I can tell the ambulance to go back and you'll just take me. So my mom came over. And she kept calling on the name of Jesus. I can hear her texting the, the saints at this church as they began to intercede for me. I came to tell somebody that God hears your prayers. You don't understand the reason why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. You don't understand why you're going through. And when man can't help you, God can help you. I 
I just came. I thank God for this. But I needed to tell somebody. Because there's a few folks in here this morning that don't look like what they went through. That don't look like what they've been through. And even though 2023 came with some storms, I know God that'll cover you better than an umbrella. I know a God that came and stepped in. Well, here I am on Sunday morning, two days after what I went through. Can I tell this last part, Pastor? I got into the ER. And they said, hey, we got to run these tests. And they began to take my blood. They began to take other things. And they began to do all these types of um, ultrasounds. And then they said, I think we found a tumor. My God. They said, I think you have a tumor because of how these things are going on in your body. When we did the ultrasound, we saw a lump. We saw a mass. They said you either have a tumor or you have something going on with your pancreas. And then I text my mom and she said, there are people praying for you. I just came to tell somebody, there are people praying for you. There are people praying for a diverse ministry in the Thomas. There are people praying that we will be kind to one another like MLK said. My God. And then they kept praying. I text my husband. He said, our church is praying. Everybody I knew that could pray. They were praying. The end of the night, it was about one o'clock in the morning. They said, because of how your levels are, we're thinking about keeping you. Y'all don't understand. Because see, man can say one thing, but God can turn it all around. My God. I got to give this up because I'm going to tear this whole stage up. My God, but I'm just saying that he can turn it. I got to stop, but I'm just saying he can turn it, Pastor. They tried to tell me I was going to have a tumor. They tried to tell me all these things. And then my mom kept praying and other people kept praying. And they came back at one o'clock in the morning. They said, we ran our test again. They said it was a false positive. They said, I everything, my God. I said, I got to give this up. But God turned it around. I got to say this because I hear it is not too late. Whatever you're dealing with, God can turn it. Your situation is not too late. I thought I missed a shot, but it's not too late. My God, I got to give this up. I thank God for you, Pastor. Love you. Come on. Give me some volume here. I told you you were in for some surprises. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, put on your seatbelt. Thank you. And if you need, if you're, if you're in need of a healing touch, listen, God can touch you right where you're at. Or after service, we'll have prayer ministers up here to pray with you. And this is good. We, we're just barely getting started, y'all. In October, I met with Bishop Lovelace, who was here with us last Sunday night. And in the course of our conversation, he asked me if I had the opportunity to meet Pastor Ronnie Walton. Uh, Pastor Don Proctor, will you come and join me 
From City Pastors Fellowship, Don Proctor is going to help me present this award. A few weeks later, Bishop had connected us via text, and we met in November. And during our conversation, I learned that Pastor Ronnie, who pastors a church literally a stone's throw away from here, right on Sports Drive, just a block away, uh, I learned that Pastor Ronnie and his wife Dorothy would be celebrating 30 years as Jubilee's founding pastors. Amen. And I thought to myself, and you guys know me, well, we need to do something about that. Sunday, March 7th, 1993, with a host of family members, friends, and visitors in attendance, Jubilee Evangelistic Ministries held its first service. And this year of March 2023, they will celebrate 30 years. Come on. Martin Luther King said, like any man, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. And this year, I would like to introduce to you the award winner for the Martin Luther King Jr. Legacy Maker Award for 30 years of honorable service in the Natomas community. Come on, can we give it up for Pastor Ronnie Walton? should have brought me up before you brought I didn't know where to start high or low but I want to thank my friend the reason why I hold this woman up the reason why I grab the tissue because I I'm known to cry. While we were worshiping and praising God, <clears throat> I closed my eyes and thought about the little young boy raised up in Del Paso Heights, where God has brought us from and still in Del Paso Heights, still in the Thomas, where God has brought us from. I want to thank you again, pastors. Dean and Pastor Amy for uh, giving me this sign. I'm not a, in front of the people. I'm a backstage guy. But I want to publicly, publicly, and my wife is at home. Uh, it's hard to get Dorothy up early in the morning. <laughs> and we, we've been married 44 years, so... <laughs> I've, I've learned, I've learned something. I understand that whatever we do is never one person 
there's a great team that I've had the honor and privilege to work with that understand the vision of reaching hurting people, understand the vision of doing what God has called you to do. So I'm honored uh, to be one of the honorees uh, on today. Uh, I, I want to share briefly, uh, I had to have a little procedure done Thursday and I didn't know if I would be here. In fact, I asked my son, one of my sons to step in for me, but thank God he allowed me to be here with you. Amen. So I want to say this in closing. Sis, I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for sharing. One of the things I want to tell you, some of our members are here. They always talk about how many closes I have. I heard you kept saying, I got to give this thing up. Again, I thank God for you, Pastor's wife. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my friend. Certain people you meet and you instantly connect. And this is a brother that I met in November. Instantly connected. So again, I want to thank you. I want to thank Jubilee. I want to thank our team. I want to thank my children. All of them are grown. Got their own jobs. Paying their own bills. So when my wife and I borrow money from them, this is what we do, bro. This is what we do, bro. This is what we do. I'm feeling at home, but this is what we do, bro. So when we borrow money from them, we do like they did to us. We forget to pay them back. <laughs> Again, thank you. Thank you so much. Again, it doesn't, it's not one person. It takes a team to do what we do. And I'm grateful for our team. Pastor Ronnie, we had one more thing to do for you. I got together with our team and I said I wanted to do something above and beyond for you. And so, because of this church being so generous, we wanted to send to you and your wife, Dorothy, on an all expenses paid vacation to Jamaica and so here we go come on can we give it up for Pastor Ronnie I think his wife's going to be happy when he gets home today. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Thank you, Pastor Dean, for inviting me. Uh, let's give it up for your pastor and first lady. Celebrate them this morning. Thank God for them putting together this beautiful service. I uh, also want to recognize my wife who's here with me, Dr. Stephanie Kane, this morning as well. Uh, and my heathen twins, I have twins, they're 12, they're in the first service. They said, Dad, can we just stay in the office for the second? I said, you don't want to hear me preach again? They were like, nah, we were good the first time. Uh, so pray for my kids, y'all. They need the Lord. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. They love the Lord with their whole heart. Uh, but they've heard this sermon, so they're done with me. Uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. King. Uh, we thank you for his ideals and for him living out the gospel to put his life down for the good of others. Lord, we pray that you'll meet with us here today. So when we leave this place, we would never be the same. Lord, we pray for those who don't know you, that they meet you in this message and their lives would forever be transformed. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you believe this morning, say amen. 
Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I didn't already had church already. Can we give it up for our man back here leading us through worship? Dear sister, for sharing the sermon with us already. I got nothing else to say. Uh, it's all downhill from here, but I'll do what I got written on the paper. So here we go. Uh, growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, I was frequently reminded of the impact that MLK had on our world. Uh, in fact, while I was in college, every single day I would pass by his birth home as well as the church that he pastored. Uh, whenever you pass by those places daily, it is a constant reminder of the legacy that he left. His legacy looms large, not just in the city where I grew up in, uh, but throughout our world because he was able to galvanize the civil rights movement to bring equality that was promised to Americans in the Declaration of Independence. King's fight for equality was fueled by the words of scripture, but also fueled by the line, this specific line in the Declaration of Independence that says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by God our creator with certain inalienable rights. And those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These words, which were written by our nation's founders, but unfortunately not carried out by them. They inspired King to fight for the equality of all people, regardless of race, religion, or background. King understood that if all people were created in the image of God, then they deserved to be treated equitably. King spent his life fighting for and eventually died in order to give us all back what God had naturally given us, the blessing of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. King was not just inspired by the words of the Declaration of Independence, but he was also inspired by scripture. Oftentimes we hear that Martin Luther King gave great speeches, but King didn't give speeches, King delivered sermons. Speeches are words that inspire but have nothing to do with scripture. But listen, a sermon is saturated in the words of God from the word of God. So King, when he spoke, he wasn't just speaking some words that he came up with. No, he was inspired by God to give forth words that had the presence of God on them to transform the world. And that's why some 50 years later, those words are still affecting and permeating our lives today. He didn't just give speeches. He delivered sermons. I mean, even in his I Have a Dream speech, one of the most famous speeches ever given, it is actually a sermon. If you read the speech carefully, you'll see that it has scripture all over it. He mentions Amos chapter, chapter 5, verse 24 that says, but let justice roll like a river. He mentions Isaiah 40, verse 4 and 5. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. He mentions Psalm 30 and 5 where he says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Something that can easily be missed about King was that he had the spirit of God on him. God anointed him and appointed him for such a time as this to show that every single person, regardless of your background, deserves to be respected because all of us have the stamp of the spirit. Spirit of God on us. This morning, we're going to look at the book of Numbers to see how King's dream is really an extension of God's plan to save people. The book of Numbers is an Old Testament book that was written by Moses, and in it, it gives us or chronicles for us the route that the Israelites took as they left Egyptian bondage for 400 years and were en route to the promised land. In Numbers chapter 6, they're two years into their journey, and as they are on their way into this journey, God pauses for a moment, speaks to Moses, and says, I want you to have Aaron to speak these words over the people, that as you guys are traveling throughout and as you are going throughout your life, I want you to know how I feel about you and how I want to bless you. So Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27, this is what we read. 
the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Numbers chapter 6, this passage is known as a benediction. The word benediction is a Latin term that simply means good word. Benny, good, diction, word. So what is happening here is the people are traveling on their journey. God says to the priest that I want you to pause every single week when they come to the tabernacle and I want you to bless them. I want you to put this good word on them. I want them to leave knowing that the good word that I have placed on them will be with them as they travel throughout life. Listen, for all of us who are here today, we'll experience some difficulties, some trials, and some tests. We'll go through some things and all of us in this bad world better look from a good word from God because a good word from God will sustain sustain you. A good word from God will equip you. A good word of God will give you power. When you go throughout your week, hold on to the good word of God. In a place that's full of bad news, you better get you some good word. So the word's firm. God's commitment to his people. And in a word, world full of bad news, God offers a good word. And his word is good for all of us, no matter who you are today. One of the things that MLK said was that 11 o'clock on Sunday was one of the most segregated times in all of the world. But as I look around this church today, I see that you guys in some ways are living out King's dream today. As a matter of fact, you should give yourself a hand for representing in the world. So let's look at God's commitment for us. We'll just break down these verses one by one and phrase by phrase. Verse 24 says, the Lord bless you. What does it mean for the Lord to bless us? All the way back in Genesis, God promised Abraham that he would bless every single person that comes through his lineage. This word to bless has a variety of meanings. It is more than just a phrase you say when somebody sneezes, but to bless someone means some significant things actually happen. The couple different ways that this word can be used, the first is this, it means to bow down and give someone a gift. So God says, as the people are going out, I want you to know that the Lord is going to bless them. He's going to bow down and give them the gift. And God has been doing that since the start of humanity. He bowed down and breathed life into Adam and Eve. He bowed down and he breathed life into Abraham. He bowed down and he breathed life into all of us. God has blessed us all and given a gift that we don't deserve, and that is the gift of life. The reason that we're here this morning isn't because we've done things the right way all the time. No, it's because God has graciously blessed us with the gift of life. Anybody grateful that you're breathing this morning? But God doesn't just give us the gift of life. He also gives us, more importantly, the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Woo! That's the best gift any of us could get. Why? Because at one point we were separated from God, but God gave us the blessing of the gift of his son. And now we can have eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. God has blessed us by bowing down and giving us a gift. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't want, that you probably didn't need? That ever happened to you? Uh, about three years ago, I experienced this. Uh, someone at my church uh, gave me uh, a gift, and the gift was heavy. I opened up the box, and I read the label on it, and it is a weighted blanket. And I'm thinking to myself, what about me says that I need a blankie to go to sleep at night? Uh, this gift that they gave me, it was heavy. I'm thinking it's something special. I brought it home, and when I went to bed that night, I said, I might as well try to use this gift. And I pulled that weighted blanket over me. And y'all, can I tell you, it felt like I was in my mama's womb again. I slept so good. <laughs> this weighted blanket gave me so much comfort that I can't sleep without a blankie tonight. I need my weighted blankie. 
It was a gift that I did not want and I did not even know I needed, but when I got it, it gave me comfort in a place that I did not expect. Can I let you know that Jesus is just like that? That you may have showed up today not realizing that you have been given the gift of salvation. I thank God that he doesn't give me what I want, but he'll give me exactly what I need. Anybody ever been blessed by God before? To bless us means to bow down and give a gift, but to bless us also means to take delight in something. He says, the Lord bless you. In other words, the Lord takes delight in you. And today, you got to know this, that God takes delight in you. Why? Not because of your performance or what you've done. No, but because you belong to him. God means that you have been his son or his daughter, and he delights in you simply because you have relationship with him. You ain't got to earn your way to God's delight. No, God delights in you because you belong to him. I thank God that he delights in us. And if you came in with guilt and shame thinking that you weren't approved by God, you're looking around today, you might be new saying all these people got it together, they deserve God to be delighted in them. Can I let y'all know, if these folks are anything like the folks I pastor, they don't deserve to have God be delighted with them. Not just the folks in the pews, but the person in the pulpit does not deserve for God to delight in them. But I thank God that he delights in us, not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. But as a father... I delight in my children because we're connected relationally, but I also love when my children are obedient. Any parents love when your children are obedient? Oh, oh y'all got perfect kids that are always doing the right thing. I learned this lesson a couple weeks ago. My daughter, uh, she's 12, and she got some money from some family members for Christmas, about $400. She told me, Dad, I'm going to put $40 in church, and I was happy. Girl, I'm glad you're going to put $40 in church. Right before we went to church the day before, she texted me and said, hey, Dad, I feel like I'm supposed to put $150 in church. I said, well, why do you think that? She says, I just feel like God is leading me to do that. And as a father, I had a big smile on my face and I delighted in my daughter. Why? Not because she's perfect, but because she's showing progress. And one of the ways that God is pleased with you, you don't got to earn his love. But when you are, God is delighted whenever you are obedient to him. Make God's face shine on you. Bless means to take delight in something. But bless us also means that I'm committed to achieving your good. And can I let you know this morning, God is committed to achieving your good. I know life hasn't been what you wanted. I know things haven't always gone your way. But when we say the Lord bless you, we're saying that God is going to achieve some good in your life. This is the blessing of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, for we know that all things work together for the good of God, those that love God and are called according to his purpose. In other words, God can work things out for our good. And the powerful thing about God is against all odds, he works things out for our good. Against all the things that should happen, logically, he works things out for our good. A wonderful example of this in scripture is a guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham was 100 years old. His uh, wife, Sarah, was 90 when God gives him a promise that they'll have as many descendants as stars in the sky. And God makes this promise to them when they have zero kids. Now, I don't know uh, what type of biology they teach around here in the Thomas or in Sacramento in general, but in Atlanta, in order for someone to have babies, it doesn't typically happen when they're 190 years old. But God gave a promise to them, and God has the ability to bless us, meaning to achieve the good thing that he has given to us. So whenever God promises something, you best believe that he can fulfill it. If he's promised he's going to work it out for our good, it'll work out for our good. Okay, about 30% of y'all got that. Let me see if I can get the rest of y'all involved. Um, several years ago, 13 years ago, when I met my wife, it was around Thanksgiving time. We went to her family's house for Thanksgiving. Her mom cooked a beautiful meal, turkey, and all of the other stuff that you have during Thanksgiving. Uh, and we ate the meal, and it was fantastic. And then she pulled out the dessert. 
When she pulled out dessert, I was a little bit disappointed because she pulled out banana pudding. And uh, I hate banana pudding. I don't like banana pudding. I don't like pudding. I don't like bananas. Definitely don't like when you put them together. It was not the thing that I wanted. I was not excited at all. Well, she comes to me and she says, Jason, would you like some banana pudding? I was like, no, thank you. I don't want any. And five minutes later, she came right back and she said, Jason, are you sure you don't want any banana pudding? I was like, yeah, nothing's changed since the last five minutes. I didn't say that out loud in my head. I simply said, no, thank you. She came back a third time and said, Jason, this banana pudding will make you slap your mama. I said, hand me the banana pudding. Let me see. <laughs> Got the banana pudding from her, took a spoon, put it in it, put that spoon in my mouth, y'all. And listen, if heaven has a taste, <laughs> it's this woman's banana pudding. What I didn't know then that I know now is that my wife's mom literally is a master chef. In other words, she was able to take the ingredients of something I didn't like, banana and pudding, put it together with some other stuff that I didn't know was there and give me something for my good that I could enjoy. Can I let y'all know that God is a master chef taking the ingredients of things we don't like, mixing it with some things that we need and giving it for our glory. He'll take the ingredients of a divorce and a broken home and a bad relationship and he'll mix it with his goodness and mercy and give you something that you don't deserve because God can work it out for your good. Put it in his hands and watch him cook up something that's for your good. The Lord bless you, but he also says, uh, the Lord keep you. Now, this is the point in the message where I got to hold on to my composure because I'll lose it. The Lord bless you, but not just bless you, the Lord keep you. This word keep is about the sustaining and the preserving power of God. It's about God's ability to keep us and preserve us in the midst of things that are around us. It's about God's ability to allow us to stand strong when the world is trying to tear us down. It's about God's ability to sustain us and keep us. We serve a God who has the ability to keep us. The Lord bless you and keep you. And as I look around this crowd today, I'm sure that many of you have testimonies about how God has kept you. Remember, it's Moses who is writing this and Moses knows about the keeping power of God. I mean, God had kept him when his mom had to put him in a basket and place him in the Nile River when he was just three months old. God kept him after he killed the Egyptian, and he should have been killed as well. God kept Moses as he went to stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. God kept Moses at the Red Sea when he parted, and they were ever to cross on dry ground. Moses knew about God's ability to keep him. But then just Moses knew about God's keeping ability. The Israelites, his chosen people, were going to learn about it as well. The Lord kept them in the wilderness, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5. It says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, and neither did the sandals on your feet. In other words, your Jordans didn't break down, and neither did your Jordan-ass jeans. None of it tore up. Why? Because I kept you. And if God can keep your sandals fresh for 40 years, he can keep your soul fresh for all of eternity. Listen, God kept Moses. He kept the Israelites, but can I testify that God has kept me? I mean, I would love to hand you the mic and hear your testimony. We've heard one this morning already about how God is still keeping people, but I'll just give mine since I got the microphone. God kept me. Before I was born, my mother was pregnant and doctors told her and my father that they may want to have some considerations about getting rid of the baby because they thought that there were some issues that I had. But somehow my dad said, no, we're going to let this baby be born because I trust that God is going to keep him. And the reason I stand before you today is because the faith of my father. Anybody grateful that you got a father that has some faith? God kept me in the womb. He didn't just keep me in the womb. He kept me when I was nine years old and my family's house caught on fire. and We could have all died in the fire, but God kept me. He kept me when I went to college 
and did the things that people do in college. Is anybody thankful that he kept you while you were in college? You weren't always saying amen in that church on a Sunday. God kept me when the bank that I was working at got robbed and the person who was robbing the bank got shot by security and the security guard's bullets almost hit me. God kept me. I don't know about y'all, but I thank God that we serve a God who is able to keep us in the midst of a world that's trying to tear us down. But God kept Martin Luther King as well when there's an assassination attempt on his life when he was 29 years old. He kept him when he crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge and faced the forces there. He kept him in a Birmingham jail. He kept him as he marched around the country. And I can hear somebody saying, what are you talking about? God kept Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was assassinated decades ago. As a matter of fact, you are up there talking about how God keeps people and people die every day. Don't you know I lost my loved one? How could you say that God is a keeper? What are you talking about? Listen, God doesn't keep us from death. He keeps us through death. Woo, rewind, press play, run it back, went right over your head. God doesn't keep us from death. He keeps us through death. In other words, what I'm saying is the end of this life is not the end of life because eternal life is on the other end of this life. That God has the ability to keep those who are wrapped in his promises to keep us from falling. Why? Because there's another life after this. This life is but a vapor. It is going away, but there is another life to come. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, to live is Christ but to die is great gain. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Though one who believes in me will live even though they die. Revelation 1 and 18, I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and ever. God is going to keep you if you keep yourself hidden in Christ because Christ has saved you. God can keep you. Now y'all are giving me um, this response that people tend to have at my church every once in a while as well. I just told you about the most amazing thing could ever happen to you and you're sitting there as if this is a library presentation thinking to yourself, hmm, that's good. But the Bible gives us a command that if you've been redeemed by the Lord, that you ought to open up your mouth and say so. If you're grateful that God has the ability to keep you, don't just sit there, say something. Let's keep moving. It's getting a little bit late. Uh, the Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Man, that's the part of the passage that I love because God has been everything, including compassionate and kind and gracious to us. He says, as you go out, as you're leaving out the temple, I want you to know that God is being gracious to you. And there's one thing that all of us needed is certainly the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Grace of God is when God gives us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve to be in relationship with him, but he gives it to us. We don't deserve to have our sins forgiven, but he gives it to us. We don't deserve for God to be merciful, but he gives it to us. I thank God that he is gracious to us. It's about to get tough right here. In response to him being gracious to us, we should be gracious to others. If you can't say amen... Say, ouch. One of the things that Martin Luther King's opponents had against him was that he was always talking about nonviolence, that he didn't want to respond to the violence that he was receiving. And the reason that he had this moniker was because in Scripture he knew that God told him this command that I don't like and it's difficult, and the command is this, love your enemies. Nah, 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 nah. I don't even really like to let people over in traffic that wait to the last minute. How am I going to love my enemies? 
But King had a commitment to living out what God had commanded because he knew that God's ways are far beyond man's ways. And if we go for an eye for an eye, that'll leave everybody blind. So I got to be kind to my enemies so God can redeem them. The same measure of grace that God gives us, we have a responsibility to give others. And King's life is a testament of what happens when you're able to be gracious to others. Yes, it cost him his life and there was great sacrifice. But on the other side of it, there were things that were able to happen that would not have happened had he chose violence. Put down the sword and pick up God's word. It's not easy. I'll be the first to admit it. But we need to be more gracious to each other. The world has somehow turned us into people who are out to get one another rather than being gracious to each other. Everybody you run into is going through a problem that you cannot see that if you could see, you would be gracious to them. Y'all just sit and think about that for a while. Be gracious to others because God would be gracious to you. We finish verse 27, it says this, so they, meaning the priests, will put my name on the Israelites, that's my people, and I will bless them. So he finishes out this blessing by saying, hey, the Lord is going to put his name on you. What does it mean for God to put his name on you? That's a little bit confusing. He says, close out this blessing by telling the Israelites, I'm putting my name on them. What does that mean? What relevance does that have? As I was digesting this text and trying to figure it out, I remember that when you put your name on something, it shows ownership. When I was much younger than I am now, when I was in elementary school, whenever I went to school and I had a jacket, my mom would write my name in the jacket so that inevitably when I would forget it, she could go up there and claim it because it had my name on it. And it belonged to me because my name was on it. She had to put my name in it because there was no Amazon Prime. She wasn't about to spend no extra money, get a jacket in two days. No, we're putting your name in this jacket and we're going to go claim it when it gets lost. Also in school, whenever you do a paper... You got to make sure that you write your on the top of it. Why? Because it shows who's done the work and who it belongs to. Uh, When you go get a loan for a house and you got to sign your name away, they got to make sure that your is on all the documents so that they can hound you for the next 78 years to get their money because your name is on it. It belongs to you. Well, God right here is saying that my name is on the Israelites. In other words, they belong to me. And when something belongs to you, you have a responsibility to take care of it, to look after it, to make sure that it gets in the right place. Why? Because God put his name on the Israelites. He says, you are my people and I will protect you because my name is on you. This gives us the imagery of adoption, that if an individual is an orphan and they get adopted, they now take the name and the identification of the family that they're now a part of. And all of us before Christ were orphaned. We were by ourselves to our own regards. But God loved us enough to adopt us and put his name on all of us. And the reason that you can give God glory today is because his name is stamped on you. This blessing that God gives is a direct tie to the speech that King gave in his dream. King understood that all were created equal and he wanted everybody To come in so they could receive life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. God's dream was to bless the entire world. Because all of us are in need of a savior. God sent his son to die for us. Why? So whoever believed in him 
would not perish or have everlasting life. That whoever means whoever. It doesn't mean people are part of your political affiliation or part of your family or part of your race or your country or your creed. No, God has always wanted and had a plan to save everybody. And King's dream and God's plan have lined up to say that God loves us all. We can all be a part of his kingdom if we accept his son as our Lord and Savior. And this morning, you may not feel like you're a recipient of that dream. You may not feel like God has blessed you. You may not feel like there's a blessing waiting on you. You might not feel like God has bent down to give you a gift. If you feel like that, I want you to know you got to keep on dreaming and dream another dream. Your life may not look like what you expected. Your might, life may not be going the way you wanted it to go. But trust that God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. Don't start dreaming. Stop dreaming. Dream again. Y'all, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I pastor a church in Placer County, California. I don't know how that happens. But what I do know is that God's plan is always better than my plan. And you can't stop dreaming even when you find yourself in a place that you do not expect. I close with this story this morning. The story is told of three seeds that had a dream to grow up to become large trees that would be in the public square to provide shade for families. These three seeds one day were taken by a farmer and they were put in the dirt. And when they were put in the dirt, two of the seeds said to the other seed, hey, looks like we're being buried. Our lives aren't going to become anything. We're wasted. Our lives are over. And the wise said to, seed, said to the other two seeds, fools, we ain't being buried. We're being planted. In order for us to go up, we first got to have some dirt put on us to get the nutrients that we need to become what we want to become. The same is true for us that right now life may be burying you and you feel like you're under so much weight that nothing can happen. But trust that God has given you the nutrients that you need to become what he's calling you to become. These trees grow up and as they grow up, they look around and they realize that they are not in a public square or a park. But unfortunately, they are in a tree farm. A tree farm was where trees go to be cut down to made into lumber. So they become something else. And two of the trees start to cry. Oh, Lord, we're going to get cut down. It's going to be difficult. This is not what we wanted. We wanted to be in a park, but we're in a tree farm. This isn't our plan. The wise tree spoke up and said, hey, if we're going to be cut down, we can become anything if we get in the right hands. He says, y'all need to dream again. So they started to dream again. And as they began to dream again, they are cut down. And as they dream, tree number one wanted to become a jewelry box. He says, I got a dream. I'm going to be a jewelry box to hold precious jewels. Tree number two says, hey, I'm going to be a ship, a warship that's used by kings to conquer the world. Tree number three says, when I get cut down, I'm going to have a king live in me and I'm going to become a palace. They dreamed another dream. They were cut down. And when they were cut down, tree number one that wanted to be a jewelry box was actually made into a small bin that was used for animals to eat out of. Every day he woke up and thought to himself, this is not what I wanted. I wanted to be a jury box, but now I'm around these stinking donkeys every day. This ain't the dream I had. He was mad every day thinking his dream was over. But in one day walks a young couple with a little bit of baby. There was no room for them to end, so they end up at this barn. And they took their baby and they placed it inside of this manger, some may call it. And while it didn't get to hold the precious jewels that it wanted to hold, it did get to hold the son that would save the entire world. It had a dream to go one place, but God had a dream for something else. The second tree that wanted to be cut down to become a warship is cut down and made into a fishing boat. It wanted to be a massive warship, but all it had to do is hold stinky fish all day around poor men. It was upset every day. It woke up and said, I don't want to hold no stinking fish. I want to shoot some missiles in the world. Oh, man. Every day, 
fish were in the bottom of that boat, and that fish, that, that tree was upset. But then one day, up walks a man who has big crowds following him. He stands inside that boat, boat, and they push it out a little bit, and it begins to preach. The man begins to preach, and this boat that wanted to be a warship actually became a place for Jesus to stand to deliver the word of God and change the world. It had plans to put world into the world, but God had another plan for this tree. The final tree had it the worst. They cut this tree down and they take it and rather than making it into anything, it becomes scrap wood that's in the back of a barn and every day it gets up and it's in the dark and it's saying to itself, I'm not around any other trees. This isn't what I wanted. I'm not having any use in life. It is a waste. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm angry. <clears throat> but one day there's a trial that is conducted for a man. He is found guilty of a crime that he did not commit. It is an injustice of all time. When he's found guilty of that crime, they need a cross to hang him on. And one man remembers, oh, we got some scrap wood in the back. They go and grab that wood. They make it into a cross. They put that man named Jesus on that cross. And he wasn't able to house a king, but he held the king of kings. The point of the story is simply this, that you might have dreams that you have. And you may have given up dreaming. I tell you, came to tell you like that YC this morning. Keep on dreaming and trusting that God's plan for your life is better than your plan for your life. That God has a reward and significance for you. And he wants to bless you and he wants to keep you and make his face shine upon you. You showed up ready to give up. But I'm telling you, get up and dream again because God still has plans for you. And his plans will prevail. Bow me for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you that your plans are better than our plans. Lord, I thank you that you give us the ability to dream, that you love us and you want to bless us and be gracious to us. Lord, this isn't the prosperity gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that says ultimately your plans come to pass and we trust that. Lord, for those who are in a difficult season, no matter where they may be today, Lord, let them know that even if things don't turn around, that you are with them, you're present with them. And you can transform them and change them even in the midst of what they're experiencing. Lord, help us to be people of resilience, people of grace, people of compassion, people that demonstrate and show the world who you are and what you've done for us. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, this blessing is for you, but you have to receive it. The Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That name is the name of Jesus who died for you because he loves you to give you brand new life. Father, we pray for those who received you as their Lord and Savior today. For the rest of us, help us to walk with you during challenging times, knowing that you have put a good word of blessing over our life. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Real life, that's my time. I thank you so much for yours this morning. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.